Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? So glad that you all are here. Let me just echo Chris again and say welcome if this is your first time with One Church or first time in a long time. We are so glad that you are here. Let's uh, everyone make some noise for our first time guests. We're so glad that you chose to be with us today. Volunteers, thank you so much. VIPs for being here. If you're watching over in the overflow room or watching on the live stream, I know we got some people home sick today. If you're watching later, even in the week. Hi, we're glad that you are are with us. We're glad that you're all here. Today we're going to continue this mixtape series that Pastor Chris started. For those of you who don't know, my name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here, and I love the book of Psalms, and I'm just so excited that we're going to be in here. There's 150 chapters in the book of Psalms, and each of those chapters is actually relatively short with the exception of Psalm 119. That'll take you about five days to read. It's pretty long. But other than that one, not really. Relax, guys. Not really. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it's great short. I'm saying that because I encourage you to uh, read the Psalms as a part of your regular uh, diet of Scripture, your regular rhythm of reading the Scripture. We're all about taking a step uh, here at One Church. We believe everyone has a step to take. And just engaging the Scripture daily is a healthy next step that all of us can continue to take. In my personal uh, Bible reading time every single day, my, my devotional time, my time I spend in the Scripture, I make sure that I read something from the book of Psalms or from the book of Proverbs every single day. Psalms were the ancient uh, songbook of Israel. We learned a little bit about that last week. Um, and so the Psalms really help us connect with God. They deal with worship and prayer and how we connect to God uh, on a vertical level. The Proverbs are a book full of wise sayings and teachings that help us deal with God's people on a on a flat level, on a horizontal level. And so uh, Pastor Chris always says the Psalms help us connect with God and the Proverbs help us deal with the fools that are God's people, right? So it's good to have a balance of both of those. Here's the cool thing. You can read five chapters of the Psalms every day. And in a month, you'll have read the entire book of Psalms. And then the next month, you can read one chapter of Proverbs every day. And in a month, you'll read through the book of Proverbs. So in my normal rhythm of reading the scripture, I get to read Psalms six times a year, and I get to read Proverbs six times a year. So for those of you who are who are new to really engaging the scripture, there you go. There's the Carlo Bible reading plan, right? You can you can get engaged and really dig into the richness that we find here. In these, in these texts. And in a lot of ways, Psalms is like the Spotify of the Bible. Any of you guys use Spotify, listen to your music, iTunes music people, any of you do that? Um, for the rest of you guys, listen to eight tracks. Let me teach you about Spotify. Spotify, great app, music app, and it basically gives you access to all of the music ever. Except for Taylor Swift music, which I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, but you can't listen to Taylor Swift on Spotify. But other than that, has all kinds of music. You can build playlists. You have access to everything. Um, I mean, almost everything. Think of a song you remember from way back when. Type it in, and you can pull it up and listen to it. So I love it because it lets me build an eclectic list of playlists of different songs, different types, different genres. And the Psalms is a book like that. It's full of different themes, different Psalms, different types of worship, different seasons of life that the, the writers were in where they cried out to God and they wrote out to God. Multiple different types of genres. Most of those written by a guy named David. Um, but there are other people who wrote some Psalms. A guy named Moses. Any of you ever, ever heard of Moses? Moses wrote a Psalm. In fact, he wrote Psalm 90, which people believe was the very first Psalm we have. Um, ever written. Solomon wrote some. Just a lot of people uh, contributed to the 150 chapters in there, but all of them have something different to say to us. Any music fans in the house, right? 
I already identified the technologically challenged who don't use Spotify yet or iTunes Music. So, uh, but that doesn't mean you can't be a music fan. So, I mean, are there any vinyl heads in the house? People who still collect and listen to vinyl? They're back in the back because that's where vinyl people sit. Y'all don't know anything about that, right? There, yeah, we, there's all kinds of ways to enjoy and consume uh, music. I'm one of those people that I'm a, I'm a music fan, and I genuinely listen to just about any type of style, any type of music. I was talking with uh, Justin Tucker, who was up here leading worship earlier a couple weeks ago. We were talking about country music, and I tried to pull the whole I don't really listen to country card, and then by the end of it, we were literally sitting in my office listening to country music. So I was like, well, I can't say that I'm that guy. I listen to a little bit of everything, and I have different playlists that for different moods. Um, when I am in a, trying to engage God, maybe worship, I have some worship playlists uh, that really connect me to God. Some of those worship playlists are the music of my youth. So it's songs that I remember another time where I was struggling and God helped me. Some of them are current times to, to reflect how I'm feeling now, how my relationship with God is now. When I came on the One Church staff back in August, I started making playlists of some of the One Church songs and the songs that our tribe sings just so I can kind of connect uh, and listen to there. It's really awesome. Um, I'm finishing up some, some schoolwork on, on a doctoral degree, so I do a lot of research and a lot of writing. So when I'm doing my writing, I have to listen to smart people music. So I listen to a lot of jazz, Kurt Elling, Leslie Odom Jr., Broadway show tunes. I, you know, I listen to a lot of that when I'm a Hamilton soundtrack, all that. I listen to that um, when I'm trying to think, when I'm trying to focus, uh, listen to people a lot smarter than I am. When I'm working out, I have a rock out and a rap out playlist. Uh, two different playlists depending on the type of working out I'm going to do. If I'm going to lift weights, I will listen to my rock out playlist. If I'm going to go lift human beings doing jujitsu, I'll probably listen to my rap out playlist. But they're two lists I listen to to get me hyped up, get me in a certain type of mood to get me motivated. How about you? What do you listen to when you're feeling down? You got the blues. What do you listen to to get motivated? What do you, what do you, who said big hair? Yeah. Who said scream? Did someone say screamo? Yeah. Right. Who do you, where do you turn though in the pain? What's the soundtrack? What's your playlist for the pain? See, we have music for the blues and we have music for the breakup. We have music for working out. We have music for making out, right? Throw on that Barry White, that Boys to Men, that Keith Sweat. Y'all don't know anything about that Keith Sweat, right? Throw, throw on that Luther Vandross, you know what I'm talking about? That's for a step beyond making out. So married only, play, if you're single, don't be playing Luther Vandross, single folks. That's not for you. Um, all kinds of music for different, different seasons of life that we're in. But when life is kicking your butt, when... When you're under attack personally and financially and emotionally, that could be you right now in this room. You're just dealing with the weight of everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong. Where do you turn? This has been a crazy year, 2016, in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of disaster and strife on a global scale, uh, just in our own reality as, as humans trying to live in this this country. We paid too much money for things that we shouldn't be paying a lot of money for, right? Some of us went a long time, maybe without work, so you struggled on the job front. Um, here's a random thing we did this year. We ate 9.6 pounds of mozzarella cheese per capita in the United States of America. What is that all about? I mean, really. First, we should probably be eating more because cheese is good for you. Um, but it's, seriously, we... So much has happened. <laughs> so much going on. Someone here, you may not be looking forward to Thanksgiving. You may not be looking forward to Christmas because it's been a crazy year. And honestly, you just don't know what to be thankful for. You don't know what to be happy about. 
we all have personal drama, personal strife. If we're truly honest, your marriage could be on the rocks. Your kid could be kid could be losing their flipping mind, right? All of a sudden, there could just be all kind of chaos. But see, life is all about responses, all about responses. And the book of Psalms gives us the responses of everyday humans and what they were going through and how they chose to respond to the, the drama, the stress, the trials in their lives. Chuck Swindoll, he said this, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude towards life. The longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. It's all about how we respond to the junk. How do we respond to the drama? How do we respond to the haters? We picked Shake It Off as the title for this message because that's what we, as those who follow Christ, that's what we should do when the trial and the drama and the stress comes. We shake it off, and we'll tell you why here in a minute. But first, here's two lies we believe that keep us from shaking off the junk. Number one, we believe the lie that life is supposed to be easy. We believe it. We believe it. We believe that life. And when we say yes to Jesus, some of us really start believing it. Well, I did the Jesus thing. How come my life is is messing up? Well, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy and mess up your life. So now you're a target. Now you're going to be under attack. So life is not supposed to be easy. It's life. It's messy, right? It's, It's got complications. And that's the journey that we're on is overcoming those things and pushing past the pain and pushing through all the drama. So the first lie we believe is that life is supposed to be easy. The second lie we believe is that God cannot help us. Y'all got silent, so I know I, I struck a nerve. That's good. I'm talking to the right people. We believe that God cannot help us. You might say, Carlo, how do you know that? You don't know me. Well, let me tell you how I know that because we come to God for this big deal issue in our life, our sinfulness. Uh, this is the part of the message that you normally save for the end, but I'll just say it to you now. We believe that we are separated from God because of our sinfulness and that God had this great plan. He sends his son Jesus to die for us so that we can have a relationship with God. And here's the part we have. We just say yes to him. He saves us by, our, by his grace, not because of our work, not because of anything we do. So God saves us and we believe that. And Christians who believe the Bible, we say, you know what? Not only does God save me from my sin right now, but when I leave this earth, I get to spend eternity in a place called heaven with him forever. That's the good news. That's what we believe. If you believe that, say, I believe that. So why don't we believe that God can help us with our money problem? Why don't we believe God can't fix our broken relationship? Why do we believe God can't fix our crazy country? It's the second lie. We believe that God cannot help us. If we can believe that God can save us from our sins, surely God can save us from crazy America, right? That's where we want to grow towards. The same faith that promises you this eternal security, you're going to be with God one day forever, is the same faith you apply when your bills are due and you don't have enough money. It's the same faith you apply when your relationship is fractured and you just can't figure out how you're going to make it right. It's the same faith you apply when you're surrounded by junk and drama and you don't know how you're going to get out. The same faith that you applied when you said yes to Jesus, it's the same faith we apply every single day in all of the junk. If God can save us from our sins, he can save us from the haters. He can save us from the drama and the junk that we deal with right now. Who do you turn to when it seems like you just can't catch a break? Here's our big idea today. You can overcome an overwhelming world because you have an overcoming savior. 
You can overcome an overwhelming world because you have an overcoming Savior. When the haters hate, right, and the breakers break, what's a breaker? I don't know. Uh, oh, we had a breaker break a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. The power went out. Yeah, when the breakers break, we literally, we shake that stuff off, not because of our own strength, but we trust in him. And his word becomes the music in our mind, in our soul, telling us it's going to be all right. We trust in him. We can overcome our haters. We can overcome our fear. We can overcome our failure. So we're going to look at Psalm 3, unpack those three truths for the rest of our time today. Let's look at Psalm 3, starting in verse 1. This is David talking. He says, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. The title of this psalm credits David as the author, and it says David wrote this when he was fleeing from Absalom. You can read about that in 2 Samuel 15. Who was Absalom? That was David's son. David's son lost his mind, decided he wanted to be the king, uh, was mad that the king behaved a certain way. So long story short, this is like some Game of Thrones stuff happening. The son is trying to overthrow the king, and the king has fled the capital. So he's on the run, right? That's exactly what's happening in this story. And David has just had enough of the junk and enough of the drama. If you don't know anything about King David of Israel, you have to know that his life was a life of fighting nonstop. There was always another giant. There was always another enemy king. There was always some crazy family member doing something wild. There was always a problem that he was facing. For most of his rule uh, in Israel, he was at war with another nation or at war within his own home. Aren't y'all glad you came to get encouraged in church today with all this hope about war and drama? There's always going to be problems. The sooner we as Christ followers get over that, I think the better. <laughs> we realize, okay, this is life. Let's, let's put our head forward and walk through it. David had so many haters and problems, and there were a lot of instances where David was his own worst enemy. He was his own hater. Everything was against him. He cried out to God, Lord, how, look at all my enemies. There's so many people against me. Have you felt like everything was against you before? You take two steps forward and five steps backwards. Every time you get that little bit of money saved, boom, transmission goes out. Every time you think everything is good, rug gets pulled out from underneath you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Just constant. When it rains, it pours. And we, like David, we say, why all the drama, Jesus? What is going on? Why am I going through all of this mess? People are out to get me. My friends, the people I thought had my back, it seems like they don't even have my back. So much drama. Maybe it's from a boss. Maybe it's from an in-law. Don't amen the in-law part, right? Don't, maybe it's your own, your own mother like coming against you. Don't be a hater, mom, all right? Be, moms, be the, be the people that give us hope. Don't cause drama. And dads, too, in case any moms want to stone me. Uh, but seriously, sometimes even the closest people to us can mess us up. Verse 2, David says, not only am I surrounded by enemies, but people doubt that God will even deliver me. One of the worst kind of haters we can face is this downer type of person who's always negative, always has some doubt to throw your way, always reminds you of your, your mess-ups, your mistakes. David had been set up by God to be king and yet there were people who still tried to remind him that you're just a little punk shepherd. You're just a nothing. You're just a nobody. And he struggled with that. And there is a real enemy for us that wants to convince us that there's no help for us in God. But like they say in the old school churches, the devil is a liar, right? 
God's gracious grace is sufficient to save us from our sins, and it's sufficient to get us through anything or anybody. He can help us. So when it seems like all is against you, and when, again, like I said, even your mother can't say something nice to you, we can turn to the truth of God's word, and we can overcome. We can overcome. Here's what David did. He said in verse 3, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. So in verse 1 and 2, David is down in the dumps. He's low. God, there's so much junk. There's so much drama. There's so much trouble. God, there's people who are even saying, you can't save me. But you, O Lord, David quickly, very quickly, he turned from a place of despair to he remembered the truth. He ran to the truth and said, you, God, are the one that can save me. David wasn't ignorant of the fact that his enemies existed. So verse 3 is not some fake, uh, you know, positive talk to hype himself up, to believe some lie. No, he, he truly understood who provided him protection, who was the source of his help. He had faith in God, and he knew that God was going to help him. He said, you, Lord, are a shield, a protector. What does that mean? Well, on the screen, you'll see an illustration of ancient David kicking butt. I love this picture because this is not the David that I grew up in church reading about. This is a warrior here. This is some hardcore hand-to-hand combat. I would love, I don't have the time now, I would love to just talk to you about the ferociousness of which David fought. There were, uh, in the history of warfare, there were very few elite warriors and armies that were as brutal and efficient and effective as King David and his 30 mighty men uh, and what they were able to accomplish in a very small time. But this is up close and personal warfare. They weren't calling in air support. They were getting in each other's faces. And the shield was a very important element of their battle. Here's a look at a modern day Israeli warrior. And you can see all of the protection that he too goes into battle with. Armor plates protecting him in the front, protecting him in the back. But here's the thing about a shield. A shield protects us from certain angles. And David said, God, you are my shield. Meaning that, God, this implies that I'm going to be facing my enemies. If I was removed from the presence of my enemies, if all of my enemies were completely wiped out, why would I need a shield? You wouldn't need one at all. So by David acknowledging, God, you're my shield, it's like David owning and accepting, there's always going to be someone throwing something at me. There's always going to be a trial. God, I'm not praying for you to take the trial away. I'm saying thank you for having my back, and thank you for being my shield, and thank you for being the one who really stops me and helps me. I also like the way this involves participation. It's an old axiom that says we should pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on us. And when I see David thanking God for being the shield, it's David acknowledging, I'm in the fight too, God. I'm doing what I know to do. I'm doing what you've commanded me to do. But ultimately, my salvation is going to come from you. That's what God does. It doesn't mean he removes us from the situation. It doesn't mean he takes us out. It's the promise that when the haters are many... God, you are with me and you are for me and you're going to help me. To put it another way, like David wrote in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil because you're with me. That's what David said in Psalm 23. No matter what's coming my way, we can overcome 
the haters because we have an overcoming Savior. And we can overcome our fears. Let's keep reading. Verse 4, David says, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me. Crying out to the Lord was something David did all of the time. About a third of the Psalms are a genre that we call laments. So laments are the opposite of a praise or a, or a worship type. Basically, some of the Psalms are, are, are full of praise, and they're, they're singing all this great stuff of who God is and what God has done and what God can do. They're the happy songs like we sang last week, right? Happy, get up, dance, life is good. But there are also songs of lament. If the worship, that happy praise song, signifies the high points in our relationship with God, the lament connects with the low points in our relationship with God, the valley, the struggle, the confusion, the questions that God has not yet answered. Do you have any of those? I do. God, why did this happen? Why did you let that happen? God, why am I in this situation? That's what the lament is for. And so David knew in those low moments, he could cry out to God and God would hear him. That's amazing. Have you tried crying out to the Lord in your junk, in your drama, in the trial you're in right now? Have you tried crying out to the Lord? Well, how do you do that? Don't act like you don't know how to whine. Don't act like you don't know how to murmur. Don't act like you don't know how to complain. Some of y'all are complaining right now. You're literally complaining right now. Don't act like you don't know how to do that. Just do it to God. God, this sucks. This is terrible. I hate this. God, this is annoying. God, why do I have to see this person again? God, can't you do something about their breath? This, I've, I've tried to tell them. Right? Yeah, you saw, saw, snuck that in there, right? God, why this junk? Why this drama? He can take it. Some of you need to, that freedom today to know that God can take it. There is no prayer that you have. There is no need that you have. There is no complaint against him that you have that's going to make him offended. He's not going to, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. Are you kidding me? He's the creator of heaven and earth. He can take your stuff instead of holding it in or worse, dishing it on another human being who is weak and who is feeble and who cannot take it. Give it to God. So cry out to him. Go to a place where you can get away and scream, yell, shout, whatever you have to do, but literally cry out to God. And I promise you, you're going to experience uh, an awesome change, not only in your relationship with God, but in your prayer life. You'll see, oh, wow, this is something freeing about casting my burdens on God because he can actually take it. He can care for it. And David did that. It's an awesome promise that when we cry out to God, he will hear us. Isaiah 65, 24 says this. God says, I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Isn't that amazing? While they're still talking, I'm going to go ahead and, and answer it. Here's the beauty of this promise is that God actually hears us. Have you ever tried to get the attention of someone famous, someone important, maybe a boss, someone who's in a position of power? Doesn't it really stink when they just blow you off, when they ignore you? They act like they can't give you the time of day. If you've not experienced this, go ahead and send uh, an instant message to one of those celebrities you follow on Twitter, and you'll see really quick what it's like for them to not give you the time of day. But God, creator of heaven and earth, listens. He stops. That's a miraculous. To me, the miracle isn't that God answers our prayer because he's God. He could do anything. To me, the miracle is that he even listens to little old me in the first place. Like, that's the thing that just makes me stop in amazement. If you're facing something that has you afraid, cry out to God. And Isaiah 46, 10, 
The Bible says this. God says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Look at God doing all the heavy work, right? All the heavy lifting. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. Our part, we cry out to him. Let's go back to Psalm 3 and finish up. Verse 5, David says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. David had been in this situation before. If you didn't know, David used to hide out in the desert in caves because there was another king named Saul who was trying to kill him. Saul was crazy and wanted to kill David. So David was running around in the desert, sleeping in caves, one always looking over his shoulder, sleep with one eye open all of the time. So David knew what that was like to live in that type of fear, always watching your back. But here later on in his life, he says, this time I lay down and slept. I woke up in safety for the Lord was watching over me. It's pretty cool. I don't have to fear because God's watching over me. I can sleep Well, fear will bring you restlessness. It absolutely will. All of the craziness that happened in our country last week with our election has a lot of people losing sleep, a lot of people stressed out, a lot of people wondering, is there hope for you and God? I I challenge you to read Psalm 3 and take encouragement from that and realize we have have the creator of heaven and earth fighting for us and with us, and we're going to be all right. We're going to make it. Not on our own strength, but because he is watching over us. You cannot have peace when you let fear rule and reign in your life. You cannot have peace in your life when you choose anxiety. When you choose anxiety, you can't live in peace. You have to choose peace. You have to choose hope every time, right? Don't be the person that says, I'm giving it all up to God, and then you instantly pick it all back up and start dealing with it again. You know the one, right? so-and-so did this to me and and i guess i'm gonna forgive him and i'm just gonna give it up to god and you don't stop there you go on for another hour complaining about everything that person did don't be don't whine we suck it up we shake it off right and we say it's gonna be all right because he's watching over me i won't fear i won't fear isaiah 26 3 says this you will keep in perfect peace god will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him all those whose thoughts are fixed on him what a great promise This connects with last week's talk about meditating, right, on the Word of God. We focus on God. We keep our thoughts fixed on Him. His promise is perfect peace. Perfect peace. David was afraid of being surrounded. He was afraid of being cut off, essentially. He was afraid of being completely isolated. When I was in Iraq, I got sent on a crazy mission uh, to drive a 10K Atlas forklift outside of the perimeter, make a left turn, go up the road, follow this guy in a white truck, and he's going to take you to a telephone pole. You're going to put that guy on the forks of your forklift. You're going to lift him up all the way to the top of that pole. He's going to fix a cord, and that's going to give us our internet back because our internet went down. Ready? Go. That was my mission. Those of you who were soldiers, you've probably done many of those crazy missions before, right? Uh, Random stuff that you know you're not supposed to do. It's not safe, but who cares? we got to have internet, right? So make it happen. So Lifting the guy on the forks and violating all the safety stuff, that was no problem because we did that kind of stuff all the time. You do what you got to do to have your internet when you're deployed. Um, Especially those of you who went through OIF-1, you know the the luxury that that was. Um, So 
I go outside the perimeter, I make my left turn, and about three minutes into it, I feel just ice start to run through my veins as I realize just how stupid this mission is. Like, there's some dumb things you can do, and I've done some dumb things as a soldier. you got to pay me to hear those stories. But there's some dumb stuff we've done. But I realized I have no security with me. I'm driving a 10K forklift, which requires two hands to drive, one controlling your forks, one controlling your wheel. How am I going to shoot my weapon if the crazy folks start messing with this lone forklift out here in the civilian populace on the road? How in the world am I going to defend myself and operate this vehicle at the same time? And that guy, all he cares about is fixing the Internet. Like, I was afraid, like, cold chills like this is the dumbest thing i've ever done in my life i quickly turned back around uh abandoned ship went and found my my boss and told him i'm not doing that mission i didn't tell him that in that nice of a christian way just so you know but i told him i'm not doing that i felt cut off i felt alone surrounded i felt in trouble (laughs) very very quickly david knew that feeling very well He knew what it was like to see safety leave you and understand I'm going into the unknown here. And yet he pressed forward. He kept trusting in God because he knew ultimately who would help him. Doubt and fear can be defeated by trusting and dwelling in what God has already done for you. Has he saved you in the past? Has he helped you before? Then he will do it every single time. That's what God does. We can overcome the haters. We can overcome our fears because we have an overcoming Savior. And finally, we can overcome our failures. Verse 7, David says, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. I thought y'all would be more fired up over that slap your enemies in the face stuff, right? shatter the teeth of the wicked hit them god right in the mouth with an elbow right just bust them up now unfortunately uh jesus comes and he says guess what guys you need to pray for your enemies and bless those who curse you and so uh slow down with praying prayers of slapping your enemies in the teeth david uh understood this and knew this he's using this metaphor saying god you're the one who's going to give me the victory god you're the one who's going to crush them but david was a shepherd before he was a king and he knew very well the best way to kill a lion is to break the lion's jaw take away the power of the lion and it can't lion anymore (laughs) it can't eat it can't kill if i knock all the teeth out of that bear's mouth chop off his hands he's just a big furry lump right not a whole lot there so he's saying god hit the enemy right where it counts for some of us our failures are just like the teeth of those ferocious beasts constantly biting into us every time we think we've grown past it boom it bites us it holds on like the pit bull that won't let go the mistake you made last night the thing you did wrong five years ago Maybe the grudge you're holding against somebody else, the bitterness you've let well up for 10 years, and it won't let go no matter how much you try to go forward. It's clinging and biting to you. You can pray, Lord, would you smack that enemy on its teeth? Would you defeat that thing? And when I say God can deliver you from your failures, I'm not saying God's going to sprinkle magic pixie dust on your hot mess, right? He's not going to turn your rats back into a pumpkin and carriage and all that. He's not going to do that. I don't think God is in the business of of quickly getting us out of things that it took us a long time to get into, but I still think he eventually helps us and gets us out of them. 
We know that when it comes to our sin problem, he instantly fixes that. And that's great news. But we keep trusting him. David in this story is fleeing from one of his failures. So here's a lot of Bible in a short amount of time. You ready? David uh, had an affair with this lady who was married to one of his soldiers. And David covered it up by killing that soldier. That began this long journey in his life of pain and heartache. Later on, David's daughter was raped by one of David's sons. You can read that in 2 Samuel 13. David's son, who raped the daughter, was then killed by Absalom, who now is trying to kill and get rid of David. I told you he had some drama and craziness in his life. Y'all didn't believe me. This is all like five chapters of the Bible. Like all this stuff happened. 2 Samuel 11 through like 15, 16, 17. It's crazy. And the tragedy of David's life doesn't end there. It continues on until well after his death because of his bad choices. So his fleeing from Absalom, the context of Psalm 3 is a failure. It's a mistake. However, God didn't leave him. Even as big as David messed things up, God did not leave him, and God won't leave you either. Are you struggling with your past? Let me encourage you. Let it go, because he has. If you've asked for forgiveness, he's forgiven you. It's done. You have to choose to move forward. You have to choose to walk in the forgiveness. You have to choose to walk in trust instead of clinging to the thing. If you're crippled by fear, take a step towards peace by trusting God, trusting him. If haters are beating you up, and that hater could be anything, a person, a situation, fight back by believing what God already says about your situation, about what God says about your truth. What does that look like practically? Well, it's real quick. It's it's real easy. You spend time with God daily. That's why I get into God's word. How do I know what God says about me if I don't know what God says? That's why we encourage you, take that step. Read the Bible, read it. Let it read you, get it into you. Spend time with other Christians. When we're going through a hard time, the temptation is to isolate ourselves because we're afraid of what people are gonna say. We're afraid of what people are gonna do, but that's a lie. What we're afraid of sometimes is accountability. We're afraid of the truth that hurts. So run towards the only people who have your back. That's us. Don't run away from the only people who have been where you are. Hot messes saved by grace. Why would you run away from that? I want to run close to people who've blown it because we can grow and we can work together. So get into community. And finally, don't be a hater yourself. Don't be a hater yourself. Look for people who are in the struggle that you can help. Instead of criticizing Instead of pointing out all of their flaws and all of the ways that they've messed up, instead, find out how you can encourage them and help them. Ultimately, we know the truth is that rescue comes from God. You can look anywhere. You can look all over. I'm telling you, there's no one that can save you from the junk like Jesus can. David, he found his strength by remembering that the same God who'd helped him over and over and over in his life was the one who, right then when he was fleeing from his son, would help him as well. Don't get stuck at where you failed God. The Bible says we all fail. We all mess up. Don't get, don't, don't get stuck there. Let God rescue you. Let's commit to be a people who are not afraid of the hot mess. Instead of being overwhelmed, let's make a big deal every day about the one who's already overcome the world. You can overcome an overwhelming world because you have an overcoming Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we can trust in you no matter what it is we're going through. God, we can trust you to deliver us. And 
it's awesome, God, that we can trust you to grow us through the pain, through the struggle. Right now, if there's a person in this room who hasn't even said yes to you, they don't even know you yet, I pray this would be that moment. They would take that next step and say, Lord, forgive me, help me, I want to follow you. And I know when they sincerely say that, pray that, God, you do what only you can do. You save them, not because of their works, but because of your grace, and I'm thankful for it. God, for those here who are just in the middle of the fight, life is beating them up. May they find comfort in your word that you, God, are a shield around us. You, God, are our glory. You lift up our head. God, you protect us. You deliver us from all of our enemies. Let us not be people of fear, but, God, people who are full of hope, full of joy, knowing that you are the one who gives us victory. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of your word to change us and transform us. In the strong name of Jesus, amen.